0: What up, what up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Electrician Live. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, and our co-host tonight, Jay Grunberg, is not feeling very well tonight, so he will not be with us tonight, but we have a great show, and the chat is running on the screen, and again, we're going to have a good conversation tonight. So, uh, Electrician Live tonight is going to be about commercial, um, residential, and industrial and kind of the differences and different types of wiring methods and things that you can use in, in each one of the different types of construction and things like that. So we'll, we'll have a, a little bit of a, a topic about that tonight. Of course, if you have something you want to chat in or mention, just chat on the screen. Go ahead and type it away and we will uh, we'll address it uh, as we talk about it. Uh, before I do that, obviously, first things first. Uh, i want to um make sure that we actually uh pay homage to our sponsor so our sponsor is cbd pure so if you're interested in cbd products go check out our website it's at the very bottom of the screen you can click on it uh open the merchandise tab you click merchandise you'll see cbd there if you're interested in the oils topic goes so now my wife hurt her knee and she actually started using some of the CBD topicals, and guess what? Worked wonders for her. So that's a, you know, she's a, she's now a big a big fan of CBD, I guess, or whatever. I call her a little druggie, but at the end of the day, it's not, no THC in it at all. So anyway, it helps her, so um, that's good. So again, if you're interested in that, and of course, as always, Uh, Our shows are also sponsored by Electrician Pride. I'll run that, and then we'll get into tonight's topic. Today's show is sponsored by electricianpride.com, your one-stop shop for electrician-specific T-shirts, hoodies, phone cases, mugs, die-cut stickers, leggings, and so much more, featuring unique designs for electricians, journeymen, and master electricians, as well as electrical engineers and electrical inspectors. For more information on all the products that are available, visit us at www.electricianpride.com today. All right, got that out of the way. So um, again, welcome to the show tonight, uh, Electricians Amazing Lifestyles. <laughs> That's a long title. Uh, Jan and Nikki, O, Tim, James, all of you, thanks for coming. I don't know if I've missed anybody. But uh, new member, uh, again, electrician, amazing lifestyles. Thanks for joining. All right, so let's kind of get into the topic tonight. Of course, if anything you want to type, uh, feel free to type it in. Um, So residential, commercial, industrial. Uh, I get a lot of times questions uh, from electricians that do a lot of work in commercial. And all of a sudden, they start doing a lot of, you know, some work in uh, residential. And they find it quite difficult and the reason they find it difficult is because they're when you're used to doing things with the blueprints then you just simply do what's on the blueprint, right? And it's you just simply box goes here, raceway goes from here to here, you pull your conductors in it, you're good to go. Um not so much with the residential. So the residential electrician has other things that they have to worry about and that is the layout and and where they're going to put boxes and the routing of their cables and Of course, they also worry about whether the other trades are going to screw it up, okay? Whether or not they're going to actually screw up uh, and uh, cut their cables or do something else as well. So, again, so you got all these different things that we have to think about and the different types of wiring methods that you're working with. Um, So, let's start with the residential, and we'll work our way. and I want to say, Michael, thank you for coming, and Pooh Bear, thank you, Uh, and um, Moise. Fuentes, boy, I don't know if I got that right or not, or I butchered it, but thanks for coming tonight. Um, and Tim, I did get your email, I'll try to get those answers to you. Uh, again, you can always email me if you have questions and things like that. The email address is right up there at the top of the screen, so feel free to, to email me. Uh, if you have something up from the show that you want me and Jay to address in future shows, you can always email us at host, that's H-O-S-T, at electricianlive.com. We can do that as well. All right, so let's talk residential applications. So how residential, obviously residential differs in a sense that most of the residentials that we deal with, and let's say it's four stories or five stories and down in one and two family and single family dwellings, are typically going to be wood type of construction, okay? So that's usually going to be type five or even type three. Not always type four, which is heavy timber, but that's you know kind of making a big, big push but generally what we're working with is wood framing, but it doesn't mean that you could not use some of the non-metallic products, for example, in metal studs, because you, obviously you can do that as well. So the electricians that, that work in residential typically are going to work with non-metallic sheath cable, NMB. Many people call it by uh, slang. There's a company that makes it. They, they call it Romex, um, and uh, that's slang, but it's really non-metallic sheath cable. And you know what? My hat looks really messed up. Hold on for a second. I'll go crazy if my hat's messed up. Oh, sorry about the feedback. All right. Hat looked terrible. Can't have my hat looking bad. You know, I'm got kind of an American baby. All right. So anyway, you got residential guys who will will work with uh, non-metallic sheath cable. Uh, but it doesn't mean that they always have to work with the wood studs because I've seen plenty of homes that were made with metal studs. And they use non-metallic sheath cable all the time. Electricians have to be aware of, a residential electrician has to be aware of the need for bushings and grommets. And their full enclosure grommets it means they cover it all the way around 360 through the opening of the uh, metal studs. That way it doesn't damage the jacket as you're pulling it through the metal studs. Um, that is uh, very common in places like Arizona things like that, to use metal studs. So that's very similar for residential that's similar to commercial. Uh, Also, lately I've been getting a lot of questions because I guess of an increased cost of of non-metallic products. Uh, Can you use MC cable in a residential application? And the answer is obviously yes. I can use MC cable. I could use AC cable. I could pull it through wood studs. I could pull it through metal studs uh very residential electrician very much can do that and in, and in install them in residence. in fact uh get quite a few calls where people are now doing their one in you know single family dwellings uh in MC and that's perfectly okay uh, i did get a question the other day um yeah people can do them in EMT for example in chicago they don't like MC and they don't like non metallic sheath cable either so they tend to want to use EMT for everything okay which is fine not not this electrician no thank you but okay you if you've never lived until you have wired a house with EMT then you're like no I'm not going to do that anymore um so again so again a residential electrician could theoretically work with all those aspects okay they could be working with um uh every every piece of, of the puzzle. You know, the residential in some areas can work with MC, they work with non-metallic sheath cable, they work with EMT. Okay. Um, believe it or not, in some houses in the country they use even ENT, uh metallic tubing. I mean uh electric uh, electrical non-metallic tubing, ENT, Smurf tube. Uh don't see that an awful lot, but you know. So there's many ways again. So when differentiating between residential and a commercial electrician, I mean, you know, the installation's pretty darn similar, except for in residential you have more use of some of the non-metallic products than you would of the commercial guys or gals, I should say. Um, so when we talk about the installation for residential and electricians, you know, the electrician typically will have to deal with heights for switches, receptacles, whereas on the commercial electrician, that's pretty much on the drawing, right? Tells you what height to be, where to have it, and all that kind of thing. Um, Now, one thing you don't have to worry about as a residential electrician versus a commercial electrician, which are all electrician, um, is that if you're doing slabs and stuff like that, and you're making sure your stub ups are actually in the walls, and those type of things, yeah, commercial guys got to make sure they measure that outright. Residential guys don't have to worry about that, okay? You know, they don't really typically have too much to worry about in that situation. Um, the other part the difference people ask me all the time and is, and I'll, and I'll bring the industrial in at the end, but uh, because industrial is just application, okay? Like if it's a plant or facility, and there's a whole lot more cable tray applications in industrial, uh, a lot more motors, okay, things like that, um, a lot working higher up. Uh, things like that, a lot more trapeze type of situations where you got different wiring methods run on trapeze, all those type of things in industrial, Uh, a lot more motor control aspects, usually in industrial, still have that in commercial, but there's a lot more in industrial than probably just, you know, flat out commercial flat, uh, high rise situations and mid rises and things like that. Okay. So uh, as a residential electrician, um, you are probably going to deal with, uh, if you're using non-metallic products, you're probably going to deal with, uh, something that is four stories or less, usually of wood framing, or it could be metal studs. Um, and it could be five stories if it's, if it's even framed, if it's sprinkled. So if it has a sprinkler system, then you might be able to get an additional fifth floor and you would have non-metallic sheath cable. that be fine. Again, depending on your jurisdiction, obviously. Um, but usually the, the thing I usually tell electricians that, that typically struggle a lot with this is that it really doesn't, you know, the, the circ the single poles are single poles, three ways are three ways, four ways are four ways. The, the actual aspect of, of making up the switches, you know, that it's not really much different. Uh, but in a residential electrician, if you're doing a lot of single family, two family, multi-families then you do have the nuances of 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 routing, how things are routed, and you're the one that generally does that. You come up with that route, okay? I wouldn't say it's an as-build, but you come up with the way it's laid out. Whereas in a commercial environment, that's usually a decision that's made for you, uh, except, of course, you know, where you've got um, large apartment complexes where you're probably doing everything in, if they're over five stories, let's say, or even if it's metal stud, and sometimes they just want you to do it at MC, then you still you do have to route it, and that's pretty much left up to you. But you're obviously going to optimize how you run your cables. Okay, you don't want to go out of the way. It's you know it's all cost optimized, um, that type of thing. Okay, so at the end of the day, um, most of the commercial electricians struggle a little bit when they get into a residential environment. They do struggle a little bit, one, because there's decisions that have to be made in the residential environment. And so sometimes people struggle with that, that aspect of it, right? Uh, let's see here real quick. Okay. Um, let's see here. Yes, uh, you know, uh, James says that yeah, industrial work also has instrumentation as well. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of the industrial situations, the electricians will have to deal with motor control centers a lot more. You have that in commercial, but a lot of the industrial facilities have a lot, you know, maybe have a lot larger motors and you might be more apt to be involved in uh, motor control center applications, things like that. Uh, large switch gear, large uh, switchboard applications. Um, transformers, um, transformers are gonna be commercial. And they're going to be industrial, not going to be residential. I mean, we're not talking the little Class Two transformer, right? Uh, that type of thing. We're not uh, going to deal with that. Uh, James, James says also pressure flow and level transmitters. Uh, okay, um, I've done a lot of industrial electrical early on. I never did any of that stuff. I, I, that's uh, there. There is different levels of industrial electrician. So again. Those type of, you know, you'll have all those different hats that you wear. But when I talk about, for, for me, when I talk about electrical, I, I think about um, not that specialty. I think of, you know, running the power, supplying motors, transformers, those type of things. I have never been one that's been enjoyed motor controls. I've never been one that enjoys any of that. I actually hate it. I hate all of that. I just, it's just, I just don't like it. Done it, but I don't like it. Uh, but you'll run into that where you might do it. Some people love that uh, because it's nichey and they like that nichey because they like doing things that others can't, that type of thing. Uh, yeah, Joe says as well if you're listening along on the podcast over on uh, uh, Electrician Live, uh, Joe uh, Bellantoni says that conveyor systems. Absolutely. A lot of industrial facilities have conveyor systems. In fact, uh, where I work uh, also at Encore Wire Corporation, we have a lot of conveyor systems, a lot of dolly track systems that go all over the facility. You know, those are 480 volt. Those things, you know, have to be maintained all the time. So absolutely, those industrial type of electricians. So there's a, there is a fine line between something that might be um, an industrial electrician versus just a commercial electrician that does other things, that type of thing. But there is distinction when it comes to residential applications and residential installations because typically... With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The vast majority of residential electricians are dealing with SCR, SE cables, non-metallic sheath cables, uh, you know, stapling them up, uh, following all the rules in Article 334 for non-metallic sheath cable. Uh, following the rules in 338 for SE cables, Um, you know, laying out, throwing out plastic box, nail up boxes, putting them around. Um, Oh, interesting. I did have a question that came in and I actually wrote an article on it that asked, can you use MC cable with plastic boxes? And, you know, when you look at that in the code, the answer to that is yes. You can, as long as the plastic box is listed to allow something other than non-metallic products or ENT. So if you have a box and let's say it's okay to accept PVC, uh, that type of thing, then okay. So if it allows you to, could I I bring an MC cable to it? Yes, because under the allowance, and I believe it's, um, I think it's uh, 314.3. Make me break my code book out right here. I'm usually pretty decent in code. It's been a long day. So let's double check. I want to make sure, but I think it's 314.3, but let me go check. Um, Since I'm here and I'm all alone tonight, let's see if, here, if we've got 314.3. I was right. So uh, under the exception number one, it says, well, internal bonding means, well, first thing it says, Is about non-metallic boxes. It says non-metallic boxes shall be permitted only with open wiring on insulators, concealed knob and tube wiring, cabled wiring methods with entirely non-metallic sheathing. That would be like NMB or UFB, right? Uh, And then um, it is with uh, flexible cords and non-metallic raceways. So I can use non-metallic raceways with it. Now, most of the plastic boxes that are designed for NMB, they got the clamp built in. That's all they can handle. It's just that you can't cut a hole in the side of it and bring an MC to it or whatever to it. It's all it can handle is an and And you could also, you, you have B to it as well. All right. Now they do make the boxes that are plastic with knockouts and those you can use. They're typically listed for use with ENT. Okay. Um, but the question is, can you run MC to it? And, Not to those boxes because they're specifically listed for either non-metallic sheath cable or for ENT. But if you had a plastic box and it wasn't limited to those types of wiring methods, could I bring an MC to it? And the answer is yes. Uh, First of all, you'd have to make sure that the thickness of the box, that the connector could handle it. But then on the inside, you have to look at exception number one. Exception number one says, where internal bonding means are provided between all entries... Non-metallic boxes shall be permitted to be used with metal raceways and metal armored cable. So basically what you'd have to do is you have a metal bo- a plastic box, provided this box wasn't limited to those other wiring methods. Then you could bring an MC to it. You put a connector on it. You're going to put a lock nut on it. Then you're going to put a bonding bushing on it. And you're going to make sure that your equipment grounding conductor that comes out of the MC loops up through the bonding bushing and then goes to a wire nut. And then, of course, the same with the other MC. Loops through a bonding bushing so that that equipment ground bonds the armor and then it runs up to a a wire nut. And then, of course, if you're going to put a device in there and it's a plastic box, then you're going to have what's called equipment bonding jumper from the splice or the wire nut or the wire binding device so I don't get sued by Ideal, although I'm promoting Ideal, so I guess they wouldn't. Then that would go over to your device that's going to mount in the box, right? So it is doable, but you're going to have to do it. And is it worth it? Probably not. Just use a metal box and you don't have to worry about any of that. But again, I get those kind of questions. So again, as a residential electrician, uh, if there was a shortage of non-metallic sheath cable and you needed to do some wiring, then you could use MC. Uh, but you have to you have to really look at the code and understand whether or not you could do it or not. And then you have to look at the box to determine whether or not the box is going to prohibit you from doing that or not. Okay. That's one of those things. You can't just take a plastic box, like one that, that you push in and and just punch a hole in it. You can't do that. Okay, okay. so just gotta check yourself when it comes to that, and you might have the option to be able to do that. Uh, Michael says that residential low voltage um, interference. Um, not sure what you're what you're uh, asking with that, um, but uh, obviously residential electricians are gonna run low voltage. They're gonna run class two, class three, uh, you know, doorbell circuits, all this kind of stuff, that type of thing. Um, so. Uh, All those type of applications uh, you could run into as well, right? Um, Now, the the question, if you're talking about do you have interference with MC cable in the wall, uh, typically the majority of the MC cables used is aluminum armor, and aluminum armor is not magnetic. So it's not going to be really any different than the same as you would have with a non-metallic sheath cable product. Uh, But really, to be honest with you, I don't see any real interference with anything, even if they ran the steel armor when it comes to that type of thing. I did watch a video one time where somebody wired their entire house in MC only because they were concerned about EMF. Okay, so they wired the whole thing, right, in a in the aluminum armored MC. Okay, so instead of steel, okay, in the steel believe it or not, is going to actually help cancel the EMF, but the uh, aluminum armor is not going to do a thing, so it's almost like running non-metallic, okay, but anyway, I didn't have the heart to tell them, and it was already installed, and they, you know, I was like, if you're doing it for the EMF, that ain't going to help you any, but anywho, now remember, the steel, we worry more about steel when it comes to uh, induction and heat, not really EMF, it kind of helps cancel out some EMF, so uh the steel armor is a benefit versus the aluminum armor for that, but they had already wired it, and I didn't have the heart to tell them uh that they kind of defeated their purpose uh, e m f what it is i'm not i am not sure i buy into that e m f thing unless I'm a ghost hunter, and then I got my little what i got my little my little whoop, 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 whoop. oh but there's a presence here, my friend I don't know what it is whoop. whoop. i doubt it. all right anyway, you can tell I'm not into all that stuff. Okay. Um fatless fatless fenonic, whatever that called. Uh, he wants to wire uh, he wants to do his house in EMT. Well you go for it. And you know what? I gotta even hold on there. I got something for that. If you want to go for it, what is that? Hold on, I got something for you here. Where do we go? Okay. If you wanna wire your house in EMT. And you want to make all those tight bins and do all that stuff and all that, you have at it. I'm not interested. If it's in the wall, I'm not worried about it. Right? So anyway, so, okay, so the residential electrician, I also get a lot of these questions about exams when it comes to residential versus commercial. Uh, As far as an electrical exam goes, they don't care. It's all code. It's all intermingled. You know, it's like people ask me about, do you have an exam prep for, for example, masters and journeymen? And I'm like, no, it's all the same. Code is code. If you learn the code, it doesn't matter because you know what? The, you know, the ohms don't care. The electrons still move. It doesn't make a difference, that type of thing, right? Okay, so, um, so typically uh, commercial electricians We'll work a lot more with the uh, with the MT a lot more. with You're never going to deal with rigid. Uh, I shouldn't say never, but most often rigid or uh, IMC or anything in a residential electrician environment. So most of the residential electricians have probably never threaded a piece of uh, of conduit. Probably never have. Um, never got those little filings in your in your fingers uh, when you're threading it uh, by hand back in the day. Um, but it, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you're threading it and you're not putting enough oil on it. Yeah, that could be a nightmare. So if you've never done that, residential electricians might go an entire career and never do anything to do with rigid or intermediate. Uh, now, they might work with some EMT, uh, but the majority of the residential work, they probably work with PVC, Schedule 40 or Schedule 80. Schedule 40 being anywhere underground uh, and you know, anywhere that's not going to be subject to physical damage score schedule 80 is the same outside dimensions, but the inside wall is thicker. So again, uh, same, you know, that application there where you know that you're going to have some subject to physical damage, then maybe the residential people will use schedule 80 when it comes up out of the ground, that type of thing at meter locations and whatnot like that. So, um, also, most of the residential electricians will go an entire career and never work on anything over 240 volts. Right? They don't work in the 480s, and and they don't do the 277s. Uh, yeah, my, Matt says about a shepherd's. Uh, I the the last attempt that I ever bent something similar to that, I just totally screwed it up. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there back in the day, I could bend pretty decent. Uh, but again, I was one of those guys that would like, uh, let's get it done. There's people that spend literally hours making it look gorgeous and I get it. I wasn't one of those guys. It looked good, but I was like, I got to get this done because again, I'm getting paid. But I was always in an owner's position and from, from the, almost the very beginning. So that's uh yeah, but there's some guys that make it. There's some guys, for example, that just literally electricians that literally hate MC cable. They're like, even commercial, they're like, no, not running it. Me, personally, I think it looks just like EMT. It's just got the bumps. <laughs> I mean, you know, it doesn't look any different to me. So, uh, and that can be run crappily too, by the way, right? Uh, that brings me to another question. So a lot of times, whether you're a residential, commercial, or even an industrial electrician, somebody asked me the other day, and I don't know if it was in this form. I don't know what form it was in. But somebody asked me, maybe it was on the phone, maybe it was maybe it was one of our one of our sessions. We probably did have a session there with somebody that called in and said, Have I ever failed anybody when I was in space? Yes, it was. It was during my inspection episode. Um, did I ever fail anybody for 110.12 mechanical execution of work? It says electrical equipment shall be installed in a neat and workmanlike manner. Uh, I have never failed anybody for that. Okay. Neatness is in the eye of the beholder. What might look neat to one person looks sloppy to the other. And if you don't believe that, go watch and look at some of the Instagram videos or pictures and hear people raving over something and then you have other people say it looks like crap. I don't, you know, I don't worry about that type of thing. Um, some people do. I don't. You know, that type of scenario. It's in the eye of the beholder. However, it has to be compliant and it can't do something that would, would raise a potential hazard. Okay, so at that point, I really never cited 110.12 for anybody. But under 110.12, there's an A, there's an A B. And of course, in the 2020 code, there's a C. And in those scenarios, I have used those like with unused openings, not plugging them, things like that. Um, I have cited that. Obviously, you must maintain the integrity of the wall, of the enclosure, the cabinet, or whatever you're, you're working with. I fail that. And, of course, then B is integrity of electrical equipment and connections. Um, if I see anything in a piece of equipment uh, that's cracked or broke or looks bad or, or something that might look warped or, or uh, anything that, uh, a crack on the breaker or so, anything like that, that's an example of integrity of electrical equipment and connections. That's got to be replaced. And I have witnessed that before. In fact, you know when you're using, you're you're doing installations, and you're supposed to if, even if you're in temporary wiring, you're supposed to at least look at the equipment every time you install it. And if there's damage to it or something's wrong with it, you should you're supposed to replace it uh, under you know 590. So, um, I, those are the type of things I have done before. Okay, that type of thing. So. Uh, other than that, I have never really called out. I mean, I've seen some nasty, what I consider nasty work, and I'm like, that guy seems pretty proud of it, and who is it for me to look him in the eye and say, oh, it looks like crap. You need to redo that. It worked. It functioned. It was code compliant. It wasn't like they left it wasn't strapped right or whatever. It just, you know, maybe instead of going down and over and neat, maybe they went down at an angle and went down down. That's the way they wanted it. From their vision, it looked good. So I've never called out that one. That um, says the company that taught me how to bend EMT, uh, number one rule was do not use shepherd hooks. <laughs> there, there you go. It's not, not a bad rule to have, right? So some of the other things that really people have to understand the distinguishing, for example, even GFCIs, right? So you have 210.8A, 210.8A, which is a dwelling unit, which is encompasses so much for the residential installation, but also in commercial where we have multi-family, three or more dwellings, like a multi-family, where they would be like residential in the units. But that electrician that does that kind of gotta walk both lines. Okay. So those electricians that kind of walk the line between residential and commercial. That's great because they get to dabble in all of it. And I know a lot of electricians out there that do that where they have a multi-apartment complex and they might be doing the apartment complexes uh, in MC and you would have to follow all the rules in the code for dwelling units, spacing, receptacles under 210.52A and and follow all those rules A, you know, 210.52B and C for kitchen and countertops. They get it. But then they go down into the basement or wherever all the service comes in and they got to turn that hat around baby then that is more like commercial now granted they might be working with SER from the load side of the service equipment or the meter stacks or whatever but at the end of the day that's stepping it up just a little bit now that's not the same as the commercial guys that going to do the big buildings that are bridging on industrial and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Not the industrial componentry that's in an industrial facility. It's the electrical infrastructure. Then it starts getting bigger. They start having larger transformers and they're changing voltages everywhere and things like that. Um, so the guys that do the work and the gals, I should say, too, the ones that do the work In the residential slash commercial arena, which is the multifamily building type of scenarios, they get to walk the line in both. And I've seen rather large, what I would call, they're commercial, but they're wood-framed, and they did it all in non-metallic sheath cable. It was quite a big project, but everything was okay to be used, even though I think it was like, I don't know. It was like eighty-five or ninety-five apartments, and the way this was laid out, and it was all wood. And people were like, "No, no, you should be using MC and all this stuff." And I was like, "Ain't nothing wrong with non-metallic sheath cable if you install it right. You know, you put it put it in the put it in the walls properly and follow all the rules for installation. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it at all. So I, you know, I have no problem with it at all. And you know, they had to. To, to meet all the rules for the residential electrician would have to meet. But then when they were down in the service and working on the feeders that went out to panels that were at each of the apartments, you know, that was residential. But once they got to the bigger equipment and the meter stacks and things like that, that was very much walking over that line into commercial type of work. Now, granted the voltages were still 122.40, not the same as working with a two seventy seven four eighty because, uh, commercial electricians going to work more with 277 480s, maybe more 120 208 scenarios as well. But they're going to have things like the trophers and uh, the, the, the troffers all over the place. They're going to have what is it? What is it? Troffer or troffer? I can not never remember. I call them <laughs> I call them luminaires, but you know, there you go. Um, you have uh there's a troffer. Anyway, you have All different types of of other things, like the parking lot lighting and and making sure you stub up for that and do all that. So, again, that that bridges into commercial, although I have seen residential guys and gals who are very good at doing residential projects, but know how to do a little bit of the commercial environment. Now, you throw them in an industrial environment, that electrician's not going to be as well-rounded. So they know commercial and they know residential, but then you throw them to those conveyors. Are you talking to the variable frequency drives? Um, all those type of things are going to be lost. But they'll learn it, okay? They'll, they'll catch up, but they're not going to be as fluid in it, and they're going to take a little more time. That's so because that's a different mindset for those type of electricians, okay? So, um, yeah, so, you know, residential is where I spent a lot of my early time, and then we transitioned and doing more of the commercial work. I personally, as an electrician, I I never liked commercial, only because a lot of the commercial projects, I'm a kind of guy who likes, um, how do you say, finality, right, I like jobs to be completed, I didn't ever like the jobs that would go on for months, you know what I'm saying, just months and months, and sometimes a year, that just would drive me crazy, Um, I like to get in get it done and get out that's just the way I would do it so residential uh, whether it's you know one family dwellings two family dwellings a large multifamily complex which is still probably classified as commercial but all the elements of what a residential electrician would do um, that's kind of what I was into Um, you know we did take on commercial jobs and again like I said it's like it's like pulling teeth I was like you know, so, and I don't mind bending of the, of, of the conduits uh, or, or the tubings in a case of EMT. I don't mind all that. But again, uh, residential electricians probably never dabble in that at all. Okay, so I know quite a few commercial guys and gals that have reached out to me and that are actually in our residential program. And the reason they got into the residential program is because they don't have a lot of time for the learning curve. So that program, for example, walks you through each piece, okay, from each room by room by room by room. So that's why they got involved in the residential program. In fact, Jay is, for example, is in the residential program as well. And it basically covers room by room in every aspect of it. So in their case, they have multiple employees, right? So they all are on the same page. They're all working their work together. That way they all, when they go to the jobs, they're all on the same page. So that's why they did it, right? Um, so uh, let's see here. Uh, making sure this is refreshing, folks, because I don't see any chats coming up. There we go. We got a couple. Um, I hate residential because of the wood shaving. <laughs> Yeah, well, one of the things about residential too for the electricians, and I don't know how how y'all are, or each each one's different, but um, on our jobs when we did residential work, we cleaned every day. So when we got when we're about ready to get off uh, work about thirty minutes, the uh, I would tell the helpers I'd say you know grab the brooms, let brooms, let's start. And once I got the things that I needed to get buttoned up, then I'm gonna come and help you, and we're we're gonna get it. We get it tidied up, or my guys would get it tidied up Uh, every time. I did not like to leave it dirty. Now, with commercial, again, it, you know, it's a little different. You, yeah. You, if it's a meds metal studs and things like that, there's enough other crap laying around, but in a residential, I never knew when the owner was going to come in. Right. So I always wanted to keep it looking sharp and it just makes your wiring look so much better if crap's not all over the place. And, and the other thing that I used to have is, is I nipped in the bud is when the employees would take. Uh, small PVC, and they would put in the wire nuts, the little red ones, and they'd create blow darts out of that type of thing. And I'd look at them and say, you know, each one of those wire nuts costs me five cents approximately. So everyone I find, I come out of that job, and I find on that job, I'm docking from your pay. Okay, I don't want to see wire nuts on the floor. They, you know, crap like that. Um, and by doing that, I didn't have the wire nuts on the floor. <laughs> so I didn't have to worry about it. Uh, but, um, yeah, so residential also, you know, there's so many other different aspects that you have to think about because when you're dealing with a residential, you've got to work with all the general requirements, chapters 1 through 4. You have to work with all those. Uh, you probably will run into some swimming pools in your career, so you're going to have to deal with Article 680. Um And so you're going to work on that. You have very few motors that are complicated type of applications when it comes to uh, residential. Uh, The motors will be things like garbage, uh, a trash compactor or garbage disposal, uh, those type of things. Uh, The only other motor you might have is the motors within the outside air conditioning unit. And again, that's pretty straightforward in Article 440. Um, But yeah, William says, you know, 13 years in commercial. I will say this. It seems that the commercial guys get more money than the residential guys now don't william let's let's not say that's because commercial is harder because I would probably not agree. Is it physical, maybe multi stories things like that uh larger raceways over the head, uh things like that, yeah, but I know quite a few of the residential applications. That can be just as daunting and have a quite a bit of of over the head work as well. Maybe you're running SERs up and through and everything, but yeah, a commercial you got you have to run your raceways everywhere. Uh, but usually a lot more people on those projects as well, so you have people helping you run everything that type of thing. Okay, Matt says while running parallel feeders, do you guys uh, do you group the phases and why? Um, well, typically what you're going to do when you're above ground, you have an exception for below ground to isolate A's in one um, one raceway, B's in another, and C in another, but that's very limited for underground applications. Above ground applications, you're going to have to run A, B, C, and I mean, I'm just saying if you had A, B, C, A, B, C, and a black, red, blue, and a, and a white and your ground in a you know, separate, so if you had three sets, you're going to have A, B, C, white, and a ground in one raceway. ABC white and ground another raceway, ABC white and ground another raceway. That's how you're going to run parallels. Okay, the only allowance for you to be able to put all A's in one raceway, all B's in the other, and all B's is in non metallic, and that is underground, and that is a very limited application, not above ground application. Okay, so typically your feeders you're going to run it like that. Um, Matt Nicholas says in the chat, says, Why does a union pay residential less than commercial yet make you pay the same amount of dues? <laughs> Uh, Nicholas, that's a question you'd have to ask the union. Um, I can promise you what's happened is the union has probably built their system on commercial as being uh, harder than residential to justify that and say you pay the same dues, but the commercial guys work harder. You get a little bit of break on residential. So we'll just keep the dues the same. I don't know that I buy that. Right. But at the end of the day, I would say, you know, whether I'm, you know, the pay should be comparable in your company or in the program based on the number of years in your experience. Uh, but they might have something that says that the commercial guys get more than residential. I, I think it's buckus, but typically how many people out there buck the union system? Because if you buck it, it's kind of like if you buck the utility and they decide they don't want to give you power, what are you going to do? Now, they're like, dude, you want to cause crap? You, you, know, I got, you know what? I got a solution for you. I won't give you any power. Then you're like, oh, crap. What the hell do I do now? So imagine with the union, it's probably the same way. You've got certain people, union people, the ones that they're the, uh, you have the, you know, the uh, uh, blue collar, the white collar. You got the different ones who run the show. I want to say shock callers, but then sound shock callers or whatever, but doesn't sound like a drug dealer or something. But they're the ones that if you get on their bad side, uh, then you know that's never a good thing, especially unionized. Okay, but um, um, it just seems that that the residential electricians do tend to make less, unless you work for an outfit that actually doesn't specialize just in residential. They actually do it all. So you could be working one day in commercial, and the next day they send you to residential. And that'd be pretty neat if you can, if you can float both sides of the fence on that. But again, usually commercial projects, uh, you're there long-term. Same with an industrial project, you're usually there long-term. Now, a lot of uh, the commercial projects, you're there, you're done, and in t- the industrial projects – They typically will keep electricians around or even hire them and call them maintenance. But basically they're industrial because they have to keep up with the variable frequency drives and and all these other things and routine switch outs of luminaires and and all this kind of stuff. And so, you know, that you're you might transition between, you know, being an industrial electrician or what's called an industrial maintenance electrician. Uh, So, again, other areas to branch out, obviously, into that type of thing. Um, Philippe says residential never pays that much and it's harder than commercial and it's a faster speed. Yeah. So that's another thing. So if you feel that residential, it pays you less, but yet they expect it to be done quicker. That's the equation of them making more profit margin. The quicker you do it, the less they pay you, the more margins they make, right? Uh, unless you're the one doing it again, if you're doing it for your own company, then, It's not the same. You're going to get, the quicker you do it, the more margins you're going to get, that type of thing. But when it comes to the big companies that do the big multifamily uh, situations with 60 and 70, 80 units, that even if it's wood construction, whatever, they want you to get a certain amount of them done. They have a deadline. And again, there's a certain amount of kickback that a lot of them get when you finish early or finish some segment on time so that another trade can get in there and finish what they need to do, that type of thing. Now, speaking of which, Let's talk about orientation when it comes to commercial and residential, and industrial is kind of its own little thing, is order. I, in a residential, personally, I did not like to get in there until after the plumbers and the mechanical guys had already run their stuff. All right? So it's harder, but I would time myself. I don't want to get in there because they always seem to screw my stuff up. And I'm not going to go back and watch after them. I'd much rather is let them get in there and fight it out, and then I'll come in. Now, with commercial, everything is raceway, majority of that. Everything is, uh, uh, you know, flex or or MCs or whatnot. Like, it's not as big a deal, okay, Not not as big a deal. But when it comes to residential, it's all the order of priority, and I want to make sure they have priority, get your plumbing in, Uh, for a couple reasons. One, it lets me know where the plumbing goes so I can make sure my lighting or my sconces or something's going to be, you know, I know what that that middle drain's going to be and I have some measurements. Okay, I like them to get done. Another reason is if if your wire or your cable is in their way, how many of you have not had a plumber or mechanical guy just move your stuff out of the way because yours is more flexible and theirs is more rigid? And then they don't tell you about it. Uh, or you know, I have actually had people you know cut things and move things, and it just drives me crazy. So when it comes to residential for electricians, I like to get in last of the trades. That's just me. it allows me to get in and 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 do what I need to do after everybody else has has gotten theirs and I can get in and get mine done pretty quickly uh I like it I like it better that way in a commercial it really doesn't it doesn't matter usually, the trades will start pretty close to the same time, although usually the electricians have to be there first, make sure whether or not we're doing a, a concrete case electrode or or we're doing something early, the service has to come in, we have to make sure our raceways are in. And obviously in the pour we have to make sure that in a commercial one that we've got our stub ups right and all, you know, all of our raceways secured down so they don't float up in the pour and all that other kind of stuff that you don't have to worry about in the residential. Okay, So the commercial guys do have to worry about that. Um, a lot of times also the commercial guys are, will call me and they'll say, Paul, I'm working on a duck bank. And I'll say, are you really working on a duck bank? They go, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's three inch PVC trade has threes in the ground with, with multiple sets. And I'm go, yeah, are you really working on a duck bank though? And he goes, well, yeah, yeah. And I go, no, you're not working on a duck bank. You might be grouping a bunch of raceways together for paralleling, but it's not a duck bank, a duck bank following the figure layouts that is medium voltage. That is higher voltages. That is not typically what we're going to do for 2000 volts or less. We're typically going to not call that a duck bank. That's just a bunch of raceways grouped together in concrete. You're still going to have what you still got to worry about the ambient temperatures the number of current, current conductors and all this kind of stuff. Now, once you get if you move out of three ten and you move into three eleven, which is now medium voltage, guess what? Now you see all those interesting figures about the layouts of the of a duck bank. You don't see the term duck bank in three ten now in 2020 NEC. That's three eleven. So light should go off then and go, Oh, that makes sense. But guys call them duck banks all the time. And I go, No, that's just a bunch of raceways in concrete. You call it whatever you want, okay? spacing and all this stuff i'm like well doesn't it got to be a certain number of inches i'm like no doesn't for that okay usually they'll be you know uniform spaced anyway but again keep them in close proximity but other than that it's not a duck bank that type of thing anyway i get those kind of questions all the time okay Uh, nick says and they just and or they just stretch the wire yeah they if it moves a little bit they think just pull this out of the way and heaven forbid have you ever had them come in and put a square duct right between the framing members where your wire, your cable was going and they just pulled yours out of the way so they could put that square duct in there that's exactly the dimensions of the studs and now you've got a cable that's coming out running along the surface and then got to go back and try to get through the hole and it pinches it in there because they had to get their square duct in there I already had my cable through there they were adding that later that's why I wait until they are done. Now, again, sometimes the general contractors call you and say, I need you to get in here now. And I'm like, first question I always ask when it's a residential, I go, are the plumbers done or are the mechanical guys? And if I had the preference, I'd rather the mechanical folks done before the, the plumbing folks. But, again, the plumbing guys are just as bad, okay? So, in you know, that type of scenario. But anyway, yeah, so... They do think that that wire, that cable will stretch. And so they're just like, yeah, just pull that out of the way. I don't even think about it. Okay, so, yeah, so the, the residential electricians got all those things that they have to deal with. Um, but like I said, the majority of the commercial electricians that I work with, and I work with quite a lot. In fact, I had quite a few calls today helping uh, do some calculations for a couple of companies. And I can tell you right now, many of them, if I had asked them, what the spacing is on a countertop in a kitchen, how to space and lay out a room, how to even run NMB three-wire in order to do three-way switches or even four-way switches. Although they do them commercially by pulling them in raceways. You ask them how they would do it with a cable assembly and they and they get all glassy-eyed. Okay. And it really should be you know, similar. Because whether it's a cable or a raceway, the conductors inside should be the same. Unless, of course, in a raceway, unless you're using the raceway as an equipment grounding conductor, then it might look a little different. But most today, people pull equipment grounds even in a raceway that would be qualified under 250.118 as an equipment ground. They still pull the, you know, equipment ground anyway. It makes them feel good. And then since I sell wire and cable, I'm okay with that. Buy all the wire you want. That type of thing. Um, So that's just some of the differences that we encounter as well with with that application. Uh, Matt says commercial at the beginning has temp power lighting. Absolutely. And 590 does allow me to use things like NMB, which is typically what we would see in a residential or in commercial. Again, that's another question people ask. What if I'm doing a a office building, a one-story office building, and it's wood? Okay, so the next question they say, "Well, it's an office building, Paul. Can I still use non-metallic sheet cable? Well, if it's wood construction, the chances are yes. Always check with your local jurisdiction to find out what the construction type is, type three, type four, type five. Then, you know, under uh, 334.10, you see the usage permitted, perfectly acceptable for those applications. So... It's all about knowing what you know. That's a value-engineered job because a lot of those jobs, they go, no, I want it to be MC, even though it's wood framing member. And is that, can you do that? Absolutely. Perfectly fine to do that as well. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I would say non-metallic sheath cable is more cost effective, but as of late, I'm sure you all are familiar with the massive rise in the cost of non-metallic sheath cable and also the availability of non-metallic sheath cable has been pretty pretty tough to come by, right? So, uh, it, but you do have options. And so when I say residential versus commercial versus industrial electrician, if I had to summarize it, I would say the residential electrician is going to deal mainly with 12240 volt applications. Uh, they might deal with one twenty two oh eight when they're doing a multifamily building, which would fall into the commercial realm, although it has a lot of pieces that are residential-driven, like 210.8 for the GFCIs for dwelling applications, 210.52A for spacing of receptacle outlets in certain rooms. Um, So that's very residential-driven, even though it's overall a commercial electrician project. Um, All those type of things, they have to be fluid in that. With all the remembrance of the fact that it is still a residential project, and they're only dealing with things like 120, 240 applications. Now, commercial electricians i probably going to deal a lot more in MC cable, rigid cable, intermediate, probably not going to be any more familiar than the residential guy when it comes to Schedule 80 or Schedule 40. Very common in residential as well. So that one's probably going to be a bridged project that product that's not going to really matter. A commercial guy's probably going to deal with some cable tray applications and have a use for tray cable from time to time, which... Residential have very limited use for tray cable right now the only real use they would have would be for a generator application that allows that under three three thirty six dot three thirty six dot ten item number nine I believe that allows for one and two family to use a tray cable as long as it has a joist pull rating and things like that uh, and as long as the cable has both signaling and control, which I think is the foolishest thing I've ever seen. But they do have that. Um, oh, I should mention this. If y'all are not aware of this, I am the inventor of a product called the hybrid cable. Now, luckily for Encore Wire, I work for them. If you go look up the patent, I patented that product. And it is a product that is both tray cable and SCR cable. So as we know, you know for electricians, you know, you know that tray cable can only be used where? It can only be used in a cable tray, on a messenger, okay, under 396 allows you on a messenger, um, in a raceway, or direct buried if it's stated on the side of it that it's ready for direct burial. Those are really the only ways. So people ask me all the time for commercial guys or residential, they go, can I run tray cable exposed on the outside of the building? And the answer to that is no. You can't. But you can run it in a raceway if you want but you can't run it exposed. But isn't it just like S-E-R? No, it's not. It's a little different. However, when I invented the hybrid cable, it can be used everywhere that tray cable can be used. But once it enters a building, it can be used everywhere that S-E-R can be used, even though it's going to be marked on the side as both. It's genius, isn't it? But why didn't anybody think of that? Why did it take an outsider to come up with that? So, you know, S-E-Cable, you can't put it in the ground. Well, the hybrid cable, you can put in the ground. Well, tray cable goes in the ground, but once it comes to the building, it can't go into the building unless it's in a raceway. Well, that's okay. With the hybrid cable, it's tray cable outside, but once it hits the building, now it's S-E-R cable. It's kind of like a dual rating, just like with wire. You do whatever. You pick whatever you want it to be at that given time. Isn't that an amazing thing? So, anyway, check that out. It's only available on Wire. so um, hit them up on CoilWire.com. Check them out. Um, that is uh, the hybrid cable. That's the only solution you have for using something that is a tray cable inside of a building without it being in a raceway, without it being in a cable tray, and without being on a messenger. And certainly, it wouldn't be underground, direct bury inside of the building. Okay. So, anyway, that, that's a product that, that that can meet that gap. You know, so we came up with that. It's patented too, so competitors will sue you. I'm just saying. Anyway, what do we got? Some other questions here. Um, thoughts on com- uh, commercial re- uh, relock for uh, lighting um, as long as it's all listed I don't have a problem with it I really don't Matt yeah, I don't have a problem with the design the style, how it works I don't really have a problem with it my thing is people ask me all the time and, I- and I'll kind of leave it at this people say to me, Paul what is your thoughts on backstabbing receptacles are you ready? you ready for my position on that? I will backstab any day of the week. One, because that device is listed and tested for that application. Yes, I might. somebody might not like it. Somebody might have witnessed problems, but I can promise you that I've witnessed just as many issues serving as an expert witness for damages and fires from regular terminations on the side with a screw. I have seen it. So at the end of the day, You've got the different types of wire binding devices that press on that use the same concept, okay? Were they wago or something like that? So you got those. I'm thinking Wagyu because I like to cook steak. I'm thinking of steak right now. Anyway, Wagyu, whatever, they push on, okay, used. And so at the end of the day, a receptacle that that pushes in the back, I have no problem with it. As long as you strip the right amount and follow the gauge, and you don't try to jam something size different than what the device is allowed to handle. I have no problem with the back wiring at all. Now you could say paul that's that's just wrong you You can't promote that. Why well, can't I uh, it's u l listed It's tested had to pass, but I've seen it fail, yep, and I've seen a heck of a lot of terminals with screws turned in the proper direction, okay around the screw head that actually failed as well, okay? Seen it, seen tons of them, okay? In fact, I have seen far less back feeds that actually uh, push-ins that have failed than I have terminals that have failed because people don't know how to torque or they don't want to torque or they don't own a torque wrench, okay? Or they tighten it too tight, all these type of things. Uh, you tighten those things too tight on a, on a receptacle or a switch, then guess what? Did I say guess what's guess what it actually, if you listen, you can actually crack it inside and it won't get any tighter. And then over time, as the conductor does what thermal expansion and contraction causes it to loosen up because you over tighten it because you didn't torque it. Right. So, again, you think we don't need to torque receptacles. Yeah, you do. You're supposed to. But we don't. So I'm all for the backstab. I have no problem with the backstab at all. I I have never had a problem with any backstabs that I've done as long as you do it right. Okay. I know there's haters out there. I get it. But I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with it at all. So anyway, you might not run into any of that as a commercial electrician having to do with backstabbing. Okay. (laughs) Well, I should take that back. If you work in a commercial job of any size, there's going to be plenty of backstabbing. Hold on. Yeah, there's going to be plenty of that, but we won't get into job politics and all that, okay? Yeah, as Nick says, everything is subject to failure. You have a less chance of failing it, having it fail, if you install it correctly, okay? Like, it tells you how much to strip off, you know? You don't take a receptacle that's supposed to receive a 14-gauge and you try to stick 12-gauge in it, you know what I'm saying? That, things will fail, okay? But anything is subject to fail, absolutely. And, uh, so anyway, that's going to be our show for tonight, guys. I hope everybody got something out of it. We just had a conversation on different aspects of commercial, uh, residential and, uh, uh those type of things. Um, Jay will be back with us next week. Uh, I've kind of, kind of gotten used to having him here, uh, to bounce things off of. Um, and, uh, I'm sure he'll be back. He's under the weather. So everybody, um. Uh, keep them in your thoughts and prayers because, again, you know, you know how those young people, man, they just can't handle it like us old folks. You know, we can just bust through anything, but you know, those young people just can't handle it. You know, they get a little bit of a sniffle, and the next thing you know, they're in traction. I don't know. I'm just saying. Anyway, I appreciate all of you, and thank you for everything that you do. And thanks for joining me here on Electrician Live, and we'll see you next Thursday. Till next time, folks, stay safe. God bless. Electrician Live with your host Paul Abernathy and Jay Brunberg.